everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of Movie Mumble, our monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where we uh, take turns watching films and then talking about them. <laughs> um, this is our... Uh, damn, is this our fifth cycle, right? It's our favorite films yeah. cycle in which we all pick our favorite films. I think it's our fifth. Fifth set of three. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, episode 15. Fifth yeah. set of three. Jeez. It's our full, first full cycle after our first year. First full, it's the first, first year. Yeah. And, and the last one of this calendar. To celebrate year. breaking into year two of, of years of doing the podcast, mm-hmm. we decided to pick our favorite films. And Tim brought us The Matrix. It's about time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Considering he talks about it every episode. Anybody who has listened um, to any previous episode can stop now because you know what to expect. <laughs> um, so uh, Movie Mumble is a uh, monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast, as I said, where we all take turns picking a film and talking about it. There are no rules. We can pick anything we like. New, old, foreign, domestic, animated, live action, etc., etc., uh, the whole point is to watch the film and to enrich the experience by sharing it with each other, which I, I definitely got this time, for certain. Um, it sort of sprung out of a, a bunch of films I wanted to show friends that I had trouble explaining, but knew they'd like if they watched. And from there, the conversation led into, hey, we should do a movie club, hey, we should turn to a podcast, and here we are. I'll, I'll spare you the description for, for this particular episode. Um, our favorite films have been actually... I've been having extra fun with our favorites. Yeah. Um, I guess which is to be expected, but, but I've been having that extra fun not just with mine, but with your both of yours as well. So thank you so much for, for joining me. Uh, this favorite film cycle, the first chunk, as we said, of our, our second year of podcasting, is also going to conclude the calendar year, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, more or less, we'll have our holiday favorite films coming up after this episode with The Matrix. And then our recap. <laughs> and then our recap. The, the first holiday film is uh, Irving Berlin's White Christmas that Joel brought us, so we hope you'll stick around for those. But, uh, if we didn't were... scare you away with our Halloween... <laughs> yeah, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a little, little bit of a different month. format. This, is bad. this one is um, the last regular episode of the calendar year. Uh, so, for the regular episodes, we have this gorgeous uh, Morgan Silver Dollar, right? Yep. Yes, that uh, Joel has brought us. I keep wanting to say Morgan Silver Dollar and thinking it's some other kind of Silver Dollar. But no, her name's I keep Morgan. tricking myself. But um, <laughs> just phenomenal, real, proper, two-face, heavy coin, you know, the way it should be. And uh, we flip the coin and gets called in the air, and then the winner decides who gets to slash has to describe <laughs> the film we watched. Uh, since Tim chose The Matrix, he will be doing the coin flipping. Since Joel is picking next, he will be doing the calling. Ooh. So, uh, Tim, if you, right. if you have nothing else to add before we begin, please go ahead and mm-hmm. uh, get your coin flip in there. Yeah. The, the best part of this is doing it right next to a glass coffee table. That's, that's my, always my favorite. Yeah, so if you hear a shattering sound as well as the microphones falling away, that's what happened. Tails. See, I remembered to call it that time. Heads. It's heads. Hmm. I, I have quite a decision here. I... I wish we could just have Tim summarize. I, you know, it. I was thinking about trying to pick him, but you know, we we the whole point is that I we mean, don't I've want essentially the been doing that the whole so, time we've been podcasting. Yeah, if we, you know, we year, started so. by having the picker describe, and then yeah. we switched to the coin method. So I'll I'll honor the, the spirit of the switch. <laughs> um, I'm gonna keep this one, and I'm gonna keep it because it's this is why movie mumble is a thing. I have seen the Matrix a few times, and I didn't care. Meh. I didn't think it was bad or poorly made or anything like that. I just didn't have fun. I didn't think it... You know, I recognize that it brought a lot of cool special effects and film techniques into the mainstream view, and there's influence and impact, but I just... I didn't... I 
we talked before about how older, quote unquote older, I mean, <laughs> older films will maintain their impact but sometimes lose their entertainment. I thought The Matrix was that. We watched it now and I loved it. I loved every <laughs> second of it. It was more coherent. I loved having you guys around to genuinely to enrich the experience. So, in the spirit of that redemption, The Matrix is the story of uh, Neo, who is trying to contact what he thinks is a a sort of clandestine hacker group that's, you know, fighting against the man. And, and as it turns out, they wake him up in what is actually the real world. Um, our world that we live in is a simulation that the, the machines that humanity waged a war against have created to keep humans happy and complacent and farm their energy. And these freedom fighters are out in the apocalyptic wasteland of the real world, you know, waging their war against the machines. They, they go back into the Matrix to to fight them in there and do things and come back out and scratch their living out of the wasteland. Um, the central premise is that the captain of the ship who finds him, Morpheus, thinks that Neo is the one, the prophesied savior of humanity. Um, there are a lot of a little heavy-handed Christ metaphors going on, but, a little. <laughs> eh, but um, all it's wrapped up in a beautiful sci-fi computer cool package with just fantastic stunt work and choreography and special effects and um honestly a story that's well told better told than i remembered it uh, and so they they uh yeah he he embarks in his quest to train to fight with these freedom fighters and to see whether he might really be the one or not meanwhile a traitor in their organization is scheming against them and uh that's kind of the whole film once once that plot gets going it takes place over the course of a you know, roughly 12 hours, uh, despite the setup, which does does cover some more time. It's almost Dickensian in that the most evil-looking character on the team is the one that betrays them all. <laughs> oh, weird, you have a creepy goatee. His I name is if Cypher, because <laughs> no one no, can break him. No one knows his true intent. We call um, him Lou for short, Lou Cypher. <laughs> so, so, yeah, there it is. I, I would imagine most people listening have at the very least heard of The Matrix. Its impact was so big and widespread. Um, it takes a lot of inspiration from Kung Fu movies, from John Woo's own work. Um, it took uh, bullet time from certain... Well, it took the concept from certain earlier works and the actual name, I think, from, from Max Payne, if I recall. I know they both used bullet time. I can't recall which came first, you know, the phrase. Right. But it's... But this is, if you hadn't played Max Payne, oh, no, this I, is the, the first introduction. Oh yeah, this was the first for so many people, yeah. for sure. Also for, probably the first time it was done with like actual actors, not yes, just within a right. video Thank game you. where you can just make it do what make you want. Make it happen, right. right. It's, although, of course, the Matrix takes place inside a video game. Oh, <laughs> the world is a simulation. No. But, uh, metaphors upon uh, metaphors uh, upon uh, metaphors. <laughs> So there I want to go. see Neo playing a video game in the Matrix. That would have just created <laughs> an, an infinite loop. Playing Matrix Path of Neo on yeah. PS2. <laughs> that man is playing Galaga. <laughs> Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Oh, man. So there it is. That's that's the Matrix. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I ever have before. Great. Thanks entirely Good. to you, too. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, so, Tim... <laughs> How did for this the 18th enter? time, <laughs> well, how did this come into for your the life? people in the back? I'll do a, I'll do a uh, Ace Ventura pet detective moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I saw this first time in the theaters, and this was I, I must I think I was a somewhere around like a junior or senior in my undergrad, and uh, I think I was 
think at this point I was still dating someone. Someone. And, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to go into detail, but I'm just, I'm just saying, like, oh, okay. I wasn't. And more why I'm saying that is I think the way this affected my state of mind at the time, I think would have been different if I was single. But um, I remember seeing, you know, seeing previews for it on TV and it just like it looked really cool. And it looked like there was this air of mystery. Like, why is this super supernatural stuff happening? You know, in the way the way I remember thinking it, it was like, oh, he's like he must be like a cop. And then they do something. And I mean, at this time I was I was, you know, I was still into superheroes even back then and comic books and everything. So to me, and remember, this is still pre, um, you know, X-Men and Spider-Man. Right. So those movies hadn't come out yet. We didn't really have any good superhero movies yet. Um, I remember what? Forever. (laughs) The year before. That's true. Okay, Batman Batman and Batman Returns. Batman, yeah, Returns. Returns. Yeah, those were were good. Okay. All but we and yes, Batman is a superhero. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe that was the thing. Maybe it was after the other two had come out, and it just sort of like pushed them, you know, away. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and that was the thing too. Like we had we had Superman, but they were also I think by by that time those movies had become a little dated. Right, they're you old. Know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so this was sort of just like okay, this might be a way to get a superhero movie without it being a superhero movie and. And, you know, the way they were referring to the Matrix, there was this mystery around it. It's like, is it something that this, you know, and I thought, like, Neo's character was like a cop, you know. It's like, does he go through this thing, and he, he does this, and it makes him superhuman? Like, what is it that gives him superhuman power? So, like, I totally went into it, like, kind of not having any any sort of uh, a, a deeper understanding of what it could be and what, what it might be, you know. And I thought it was all kind of just surface level, you know. Um, maybe, you know, maybe more along the lines of what equilibrium was, you know. Oh, it's a bunch of people who actually train and actually do this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I remember watching it and it just, like, you know, it was, it was, it was one of those moments where Morpheus was, like, speaking to me. You know, the, the splinter in your mind thing, like, for as long as I could remember, like, I felt like that. I felt like something was wrong with the world. And, and don't get me wrong, there are big groups of people who will look at without getting into specifics and causing an argument there are big groups of people in the world who will look at other big groups of people and say that group of people is wrong my group of people is right but to be an individual who felt that all the other groups were wrong and not having anyone else who i felt saw things the way i did and then to see this movie and see like Oh holy shit! Like that's that's a whole thing. Like they made a whole movie about that, about this yeah. this one guy who is like isolated and looking on this this world like this isn't real. Like 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 all these things that people think are important are not important or not real. Like what you know and and you know that that sort of like you know him sitting at his computer at home home alone at night like. You know, and, and granted, like I had <laughs> I had more friends than he appeared to have in the film, which. <laughs> You know, from what I've heard with, with you know, some people who, who are kind of like that, it's like you almost feel, I don't want to say more lonely, but, but the idea that there are people around with you, around you, yet you can't connect with them about those, those core elements of, of your, yourself that are just like, don't, don't you get how stupid this is? And, and, and they either don't or kind of they casually do, but it's just like, yeah, but whatever, move on and have fun. And, you know, and you kind of learn to, to, to go along and kind of forget that stuff. But, 
So then, to, yeah, so to have this thing just kind of broken open where it's like, like, yeah, there is something wrong. Like, you do, you you are right that you sense that something is wrong with this. And we're going to help you show you, we're going to help is. show you what that is. And, and, um, and uh, I will admit for a while, it got kind of cultish with me where like it, it got to the point of me almost actually believing that we were actually in a computer simulation, that this was like true. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of what helped break me out of that was Joseph Campbell and the idea of this is what religions get wrong is they stop at the face value of these stories and don't look deeper into the metaphor. And then that's kind of was my next step was like, okay, Neo isn't real. The Matrix isn't real. But what are all these things metaphors for? And kind of digging beyond that. Um, which to me led me to one of my favorite lines of the whole thing is, unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. And, and it's, it's one of those sort of throwaway lines on the surface level because it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to show him the power plan. And, and then when he admits to, like, we had to get you out of here because you're the one and you usually don't take people as old as you. But it also kind of made me realize it is, it is about the... The, the, the metaphor like you know I can't tell you guys what the matrix is for you like you know there are, there are matrices everywhere like everything is a matrix but it's it's about finding your own personal matrix your own thing that you're stuck in that is feeding off of you that you need to break out of to go into the real world and that was kind of one of the realizations that yeah it's not there is a computer program that the machines have put us in like no like but like what is it in your own life that is keeping you stuck where you are, giving you this um, this illusion of progress, of progress, of progressing, moving forward, you know, uh, of things getting better, only so that it can keep you stuck in that point, like I said, and feed off you, and this 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 system that is feeding off you. Um, and uh, and what's really cool is you get a lot more depth in that in the sequels. So maybe I'll bring those in next sometime in the next calendar year, so we can dig into some of those we- as well. Um, we did throw around the idea of doing favorite film sequels. Right, yeah. Poor so, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> no, there is one. U.S. Marshall. I haven't right? seen yeah. it. Oh, you're yeah. right. I forgot. We talked you can, about you this. can still bring it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so this is that's sort of the, the beginning of the history that I've had with The Matrix. And what's been really cool about it with me is that every time I watch it, I, I get some new layer out of it. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, where I am in my life and, and what my particular Matrix is at that point. Or sometimes if I'm watching it, um, this has happened before where I'm kind of watching it more casually and I'll take a whole different perspective and be like, like, like looking at the film from the point of view of a different character and getting a different spin on it. Like, um, um, and this kind of, I think came after the sequels, but like, like what the Oracle's role is in the whole thing, you know, and kind of seeing that and, um, you know, once you kind of get beyond uh, for me, like what my view of what I, who I thought Neo was and who I wanted him to be and kind of, you know, again, as they kind of reveal in the sequels, who he actually is and like rewatching it with that in mind, you know, you get then a whole other spin on things. Um, so anyway, so that's sort of one of the things that I've loved about it aside from all of the visual stuff all the way. And I know a lot of people criticize it because like, oh, well, it, it stole this from Ghost in the Machine. It stole this from this and stole this from this. And it's like, you know, I, I always wonder if, if those are the same people having that same argument about Star Wars or for some reason yeah. are they cool when it was done at Star Wars but they don't yeah. like it in The Matrix and 
you know, um, and, and I guess it all depends on what, what you liked first, you know, like someone who's introduced to Star Wars first and then finds out later, oh, this is all the stuff that George Lucas, you know, um, we'll say did an homage to. <laughs> but whereas if you liked Ghost in the Shell for years and then they made The Matrix, you're like, hey, you stole that. For, you know, it's like that was the original thing for you. Um, but, you know, but for me, it, what I part of what I liked about it was I liked the idea of anime, but I could never really find a good one to get into around that point. <laughs> Um, especially it wasn't, back, you know, it wasn't always easy to get your hands on right yeah. in general not <laughs> yeah so this was kind of the best of both worlds I got the gist of what anime is but packaged in like this story that I found was like you know yeah, really interesting really deep um, you know the the music is phenomenal you know even from the, the the composer point of view I know it's a lot of it's probably not super memorable but I can't um, remember any of the themes. It's it's not very melodic, which which I really like about it. It's way more like atmospheric. Um, there is that big kind of flourish when you see the the uh, growing fields, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like this is evil. <laughs> that's really the only cue yeah. that I was evil. kind of like, yeah, yeah. When you get the choir, and it's just this sense of all of humanity just screaming out at once, you yeah. know, like. Um, but but yeah, like I mean, I feel like it also used a lot of um, techniques that at the time when I was in school, like composers that I was starting to become aware of and really get into, um, you know, who are now two of my favorite composers, George Crumb and Christoph Penderecki, like using these sort of, you know, these extended techniques on the instruments to get these weird sound effects and weird textures. Like he used that a lot in there and, and the way they would use it where it wasn't strictly notated, it was kind of a gesture that was written towards the, the musicians and like, okay, do this gesture and repeat that over and over again. And then layering all these effects to create this really chaotic um this chaotic texture but um you know which was a really interesting way to build texture which is what a lot of like you know if you listen to almost like every every horror movie movie score in the past you know probably 20 years it's like it's all that that's what it is Mm -hmm. you know um it's all you know weird sound effects and i mean all that and you know synthesizer and digitally altered stuff they will do a lot of that type of stuff but anything that's acoustic you know it's it's very like what, what instrument is that even? I don't know what that is. Like, oh, it's a piano, and they're scraping the, the you know the winding of the strings inside with their fingernails. Oh, it's oh. cello, but they plugged it into an amp. Right, yeah. Or, you know, it's a flute, but they're just clicking the keys together without blowing at it to mm. give this weird, like, you know, insect-type sound or whatever. Um, so, so anyway, so, like, all of that stuff is in there, too, and it was just, like, they're... Yeah, like, I can't think of a part of any of the stuff that I'm interested in that is not in this and not done in a way that is just so, like... You know, or, or like like you mentioned, Joel, when I said at one point I like Morpheus's tie because he has this green tie, and he's like, "Is that why green is your favorite color?" And it was like, "Well, no, but the fact that green was already my favorite color, and most of the film is tinted in green, like I'm sure that helps." You know, <laughs> that was something that I was not aware of on even like my fourth or fifth watching, and this time I was like, "It is really green. Mm-hmm. It's like everything is so green." Yeah, it's like I'm, yeah, it's like I'm looking at a computer screen in the '80s. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's me in the Matrix. And then of course, you know, when I found out they actually made comic books that were, you know, like you know, based on them or inspired by them. So it was just like ate those up. And then when they finally got to the sequels and the Animatrix and the video games and all that, it was just like, yeah, bring it on. Bring How do the comics read? Because like a lot of this is very graphic novel. Like it, yeah. it's very could be easily translated. Um, it, it's kind of neat. Like the 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 comics were actually a lot like the Animatrix, where there were a few that tie directly into the characters and to the plot lines. 
And then there are others where it's just kind of random people did a story that's based in the Matrix world, but without having any sort of connection. Um, See, and those have always been the stories I'm most interested in, mm -hmm. right? Like, in the sequel, they talk about, like, ghosts and vampires and shit, and, Mm -hmm. like... There's a matrix explanation for those, but we don't see any of that lore right, or anything. Yeah. Like that's that's the stuff that yeah. I would want to revisit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to like the ones that that use the legit characters. Like there is a comic of about Morpheus when he was a kid when he was first taken out. That that would and, be cool. And, too. and it actually shows the scene. You know, he says like, you know, I didn't believe it until I saw the fields with my own eyes. Like that's part of what it shows is he's like out there, like holy shit. And I think the machines end up like chasing him, and he has to hide and all this stuff. So you really see, like, okay, this is part, probably part of why he's such a great leader. Like, you know, he kind of had this realization, like, at a very young age, was kind of exposed to the truth, like, and grew up with that. And then I think they also kind of explain, like, why, you know, where he kind of uh, makes it his life journey to find the one and things like that, you know. And See, he talks about, like, knowing that there's a point at which you're too old to come out mm-hmm. and going sideways that would be a great story right like yeah. he, like if that's his like right hand man or his mm-hmm. partner or somebody like like somebody he i don't know like that would be a really cool dynamic of like that discovering that mm-hmm. we took him out it would add so much weight yeah. to his line about i did it this time because i had to right yeah. in the film yeah, yeah. cuz it's kind of a throwaway line when he's delivering it but mm-hmm. when you really think about okay this is the world he lives in and he, he this is a process that they were cuz i said mm-hmm. that about like how many botched Awakenings that right. they had, like yeah. how did they get this process down? Because they have to rebuild his muscles, mm-hmm. they have to adjust it to the light. He has to be mm-hmm. able to eat food like a normal person. Like, yeah, there, there's so much that goes into that rehab that that would be trial and error, and you're kind of shooting in the dark because you don't know what the machines adjusted to be. You know, like mm-hmm. what they think you need as nutrients and how. That was something else I was really interested in. Is like how. Since it's been like 100, 200 years of them being within a matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. What biologically did the machines do to shift their human biology? Like, wouldn't you make the batteries more efficient if you could? Oh, right. oh find a way to like, yeah, to alter like the human genes. So right. That they were, yeah. So like, are there twisted, mangled mutant things that need less food? that aren't as sentient that produce the same kind of like <laughs> like the, the the rumor but the KFC had the little things that were grown that were born without feathers or beaks and were just oh. this like these things that were grown oh, right. that For were alive but yeah they yeah. were just grown to be food and, yeah. which I don't think I don't know if that was ever true no <laughs> if science could do this that they'd be doing other things by... KFC <laughs> like KFC we don't call it Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore because that would be false advertising. <laughs> yeah. That was also false, by the way. <laughs> but it, it just the idea that 200 years of machines trying to make a process more efficient, mm-hmm. I don't know that uh, bipeds with sentient and consciousness would be... Yeah. Like, how would they continue to, to make it viable? You Smith know? Like, touches on that, you know, they made the perfect world and... right. That like, well, maybe we didn't do it right, or maybe you just you guys just need suffering. Yeah, that is one of the greatest like exchanges talking about yeah. your disease. Oh yeah, the virus. Oh my god, it's the smell. Like, 
And what a great casting decision. Like, Hugo Weaving is outstanding as mm-hmm. Agent Smith. Just the delivery of every line, that unique lilt to his accent. It's not quite American. It's not quite British. Mm-hmm. It's this measure. But when you see the intensity of, like, this machine that hates it, it has developed hatred being mm-hmm. around humans it's almost like, like he's becoming more human <laughs> more human than human <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just Blade Runner <laughs> it, everything is Blade Runner <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was saying like where this movie really picks up for me I'm not a big into the hacker like the, the, the goth leather drenched stuff yeah. but as soon as he wakes up in that pod and it's this mm-hmm. mucus membrane and all of the wires are hooked mm-hmm. into his body. It's like that albino, eyes haven't seen things, body hasn't moved, has never tasted, never breathed, mm-hmm. never heard anything. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like that level of deception mm-hmm. on such a grand scale. That's what makes it truly horrifying. Yeah. Like that, that's more dystopic than dystopia like that that's huge thing and it's so far past the point of stopping it from happening you know like Mm -hmm. it's 200 years and it's still perpetuated on that scale Mm -hmm. and there's this handful of people that know about it like yeah when he looks out and sees the amount of people in pods like both above and below and to the left and to the right and there's like doesn't see the floor of the power plant and just like Okay, like this. This is everyone's shit. <laughs> yeah, this it's the it's the we've already won. This is just cleanup, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. Or like reminds me like in the the line in the body snatchers. I forget which version it is. It's one of the more modern ones, where like the the wife of the main character is a is you know an alien, and like and you know he and who's left are trying to leave, and she's just like, where are you gonna go? <laughs> and it's just kind of like, oh fuck, we're like, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, those are things I said. Like he doesn't know at this point that they're gonna come in a ship and get him. Yeah. Like he just wakes yeah, up just, in this thing. Like you know, we're talking about freeing him, and he yeah. wakes up in this thing. Yeah, and it's just like, what? What the fuck do I do now? You know, like. See, the line that got me this time when Morpheus is explaining it is that the dead are broken down and fed intravenously to the living. Like this, <laughs> sort of green as people. <laughs> oh man, it just. It just takes all of these sci-fi dystopia tropes and does them to perfection. Like it, it's just, and it's just enough word world building to keep you interested, and you could go in these. This could be the end, right? That could mm-hmm. be it. And there are sequels, and I mean their popularity or their the reception of those is kind of mixed depending on who you are. And but like it builds this world really efficiently and really quickly. And it, 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 it's just, it, it, it infects your mind. It, it, it's like, what a great, I mean, it, it, it's like Truman Show, too. Like, the idea that mm. that whole guy's life has been constructed. But the horror in that is that humanity did that to him. Yeah. It, it's not like, they yeah. found, it's, it's, and it's all for gain, like financial gain. They're feeding off of his energy in that way, the way mm-hmm. the machines are, like. Oh, it's good. And every frame. Like, every time mm. you see Morpheus's... Even just... when I was disappointed with this film, I still loved how gorgeous it was. Yeah. 
like Morpheus's like physics defying sunglasses. Cause I don't know how those are staying on my man's face. They, um, what's the phrase? Pince nez. Right? Yeah. They mm-hmm. like. Oh, is it like a? Uh, they like on your nose, yeah. basically. They like clamp. Okay. It's I've had like the like they've never been able to thing. fit on mine. I don't have his nose, I guess. But. Yeah, I mean, they you didn't have his you know custom built that's fair. costume department yeah. and stuff. But like. The reflections in those are great. We were talking about red pill, blue pill. You mm-hmm. in both mm-hmm. of the, the shades, you see one hand or the other. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, it, when they freeze it, um, showing Neo what the agents look like, or that they can mm-hmm. occupy, you the see gun the gun in one, Neo, and Neo in the other. Mm-hmm. It's just like that minuscule attention to detail is why this film has had the impact it's had, and why you rewatch it, and yeah. like. And why you pick it apart and look look for all these things and well they did that intentionally fight, right? there must be a meaning for it right. and, you know although one of my favorite lines in one of the uh, behind the scenes things when they were interviewing the Wachowskis um, and they were kind of talking about like oh you know the you know people are like oh it's about this and it's a you know, like a, you know he's like this Jesus and they're like it's kung fu versus robots that's, that's what it's about <laughs> well that's the thing like that's why Dinner the Author is such a great cop out for the artist right because mm-hmm. it's always like yeah that's cool that those things connect I, I didn't intend that mm-hmm. it's cool that they are like I mean there are people who I mean like Proust right everything he put into what he wrote was intended mm-hmm. and all of the references he makes he's making within the lines right mm-hmm. but for anybody else it's like yeah it's whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And if it happens to be more clever than I thought it was, then that's great, you know? It's, it's, that's cool. That the author yeah. is also helpful for the author. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a criticism device, but it's something that also allows the artist to be remembered more cleverly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yes, I did intend that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that means? <laughs> this, the, the helicopter into the skyscraper, so the, 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 the checkoff reveal of that, it's going over the top and you see the reflection. I didn't realize that as foreshadowing before. I hadn't remembered that. Scott, said. I have a contribution. <laughs> but it was just, it's, it's a great shot. And those, those kind of bait and switch moments are really effective. And then... When they actually run it into that building, the wave of glass. <laughs> it's just. I was telling, I was talking to Tim about it. Like, I there are a few things more gorgeous on film. Like, and it's accomplished with CGI that's tw- almost twenty years old, mm-hmm. and it looks great. Like, and you can kind of explain away badness of effects with like, okay, this is the Matrix, right? This mm-hmm. is this is, but. For the most part, the effects in the Matrix are pretty good looking. Like yeah, yeah. even the the uh, bug. Oh yeah, it goes the, the squid button. thing. Yeah. Like that transformation isn't bad to look at. Mm-hmm. The the laser of the Sentinels attacking the Nebuchadnezzar is mm-hmm, a little yeah. weird, and then when uh, Smith kind of bursts open, that's mm-hmm. a little cheesy. But yeah. like, by and large, like. Well, one of the things, and we because we watched this on Blu-ray, like I feel like like it 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 helps to point out some of those flaws. I think a little bit better. Whereas, like I think like I don't remember a lot of those flaws. Like, oh, one of the things I noticed. So when when uh, they first bring Neo into the construct, 
you know, when they first put him in and Morpheus mm-hmm. is there and it's a complete white room. Yeah. Um, when I remember seeing that scene, I remember being like, why does this look so weird? And I realized they don't have shadows. And I think they must have digitally removed them. Right. But on the Blu-ray, I could see when Morpheus starts moving, there's a hint of a remainder of a oh, shadow that they couldn't kind of quite scrub out, oh, I think. Yeah. So I think because, like, you know, you're seeing so much more of the details, you're seeing more of the flaws. And, like, um, yeah, I noticed that, too. A lot of the stuff, yeah, that was animated looked a little bit more animated than I ever remembered. Because, yeah, when you're watching it on when it's, you know, it's kind of a little fuzzier, you know, you're, it kind of... Um, I think that kind of fills in the gaps a little bit, you know. But yeah, when you're seeing kind of everything super crystal clear, and then this other thing is not quite right, you right. know. See, this time I was looking for the the phone to ear disappearing effect, and you don't see it oh, quite yeah. until the end. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a pretty good looking effect. And when you see the the um, the other um, I want to call them hosts, they're not hosts. People hooked into the matrix turn into the agents. Mm-hmm. Those transformations are pretty good like they're they're not and you don't see too much of them we were talking about this with the thing scott the idea that we're not mm-hmm. shown them agnosium to the point where it's like yeah. yes i see this as a puppet yes i see this as cgi like yeah. it's used very sparingly mm-hmm. and those effects are great and the even like the the super fast punches and stuff you get the sense that like a computer program that fast yeah, keep up. Yeah, it, yeah it's that fractured glitchy mm-hmm. it works really well yeah. I mean they chose a really good narrative frame for those the knowing the limitations of the effects mm-hmm. and writing it into the story that this is why it's appearing that way like it's it's yeah. <clears throat> that's all the kung fu in this is just outstanding mm-hmm. I, I'd forgotten how good it was honestly like Keanu's a beast. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about it in previous episodes, just the idea that he can put so many moves together. Yeah. That's why people like working with him doing kung fu. And yeah. it, it, I had mentioned in this that they do a lot of stylistic cutting on the kung fu, but it's not necessary because right. you get those like four or five second sequences, and it's just move, 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 move. Mm-hmm. And even in the choreography of the fight with. Uh, in the subway with Smith, yeah. you see Smith go at a combination, and then when they reset, Keanu's turned it back around on him and mm-hmm. does the same combination. It, it just the the dance of those fights is so good. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's just great. <laughs> and I mean, kudos to Hugo Weaving too and Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. for being just just as compelling and mm-hmm. keeping up with Keanu, like. Those are great fights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, too. I don't know. I don't know how much you would do- dove into the uh, like behind the scenes stuff, but when they were learning the kung fu, Keanu Reeves just had neck surgery. No. So if you watch a lot of the stuff when they're training, he has like a neck brace. He on. Kurt angled it. And he <laughs> broken and, freaking neck. Yeah. And what was weird too is like for some reason it was the kicks that he had trouble with. Like he oh, could okay. still do punching for some reason, and what? they show one, and it was like one of the most cringeworthy things where they're doing something, and he kicks, and goes ah, oh! and grabs the back of his neck, and just like crumples. It was just like oh god, brother, that's your neck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I like that was that. A, that's crazy. But yeah, so that was the whole thing too, and that's why like if you notice, I, they they tried to make his fighting very punch heavy, and when he does do kicks, there's only like a few of them at certain moments. Right. And, like, um, you know, like, the triple kick is, like, one of them. But, like, up, he right. does... Yeah, like, we just... Like, like, when he kind of almost climbs up. Yeah. Um, 
Um, but yeah, like so they they did incorporate some because I think they probably had already envisioned having those moves in there. But um, yeah, I think they because of that they have them do a lot more handwork instead. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things I remember watching, just being like, oh god, like I I can't imagine learning that much kung fu in the time that they did it. Never mind with a neck injury, right. you know. And it's, yeah, it wasn't like he broke his arm; it was his neck, right. <laughs> like, the thing that's necessary for all these right. movements. <laughs> I, I was lamenting the fact that that tra- the training, the fight sequence between Morpheus and Neo is better than two whole seasons of Iron Fist. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's eh, it's frustrating because it can be the one. It's a white guy doing kung fu, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just he yeah. doesn't even have mystical powers at this point. It, he's, right. he's just I don't know. Scott, I'm interested, since this has been the the uh, revitalization of this film mm-hmm. for you, uh, what were the things that were specifically frustrating in the past? Because I, I feel like we've been dominating I, the conversation. Not that they were specific, it just the whole thing just didn't grab yeah, me. Yeah. I okay. had trouble caring about the characters. I felt like the plot was disjointed. And, like, I was sort of hung up on the, on not the premise, but just on the whole, like, why are they doing any of this or whatever, and... I don't know, it just all finally came together, I think. I, it really, this was the first time it clicked for me that once they go see the Oracle, the whole rest of the film takes place over the course of like a day. Like a day. Yeah. That never clicked before, for some reason, mm-hmm. which really hurt because Morpheus is imprisoned for like ever. Right. And they don't do anything, and like, I, there's obviously that doesn't work if there's just lots of time they spend standing around doing nothing, right. which for some reason, the way the time jumps were communicated in the beginning of the film. I thought there were more right. in the end. I don't know. I just that didn't that never clicked before. And then some of the bits and pieces of Cipher's betrayal never really clicked. See, that's something I wanted to talk I, about because you guys yeah. had talked about while we were watching this time about not being sh- not because I was always under the assumption that Cipher had plugged in for that dinner with it's Agent Smith. Yeah. Or does that come I mean, earlier, like before? I I don't know because. I mean, I think Neo goes away, and then Cypher would, like, plug in to communicate that. Yeah. Like, is that... But, I mean, they, like, I think they always need an operator to get them out, you know, and then unplug them. It's like, you know, it's always, like, that process of, okay, I need an exit, I need this. Yeah, so, like, I don't know that they're... Well, is it is is that the case because they're trying to get an exit that they can't trace? Because I, mean, I think only there are only a few hard lines that they can get out of. Like they can't get out through a cell phone or what you know. And maybe they're only you know. Um, but what I'm saying is like if the machines, the programs are mm-hmm. helping him get in and out, he doesn't need to worry about being traced by them. I thought that was the thing. Is like they need hard lines that they can get in and out without tracing them back to their location. I thought that was the thing. I mean, there's there's still. I mean, I guess yeah. Physically, you don't. You probably could lay there in the chair by yourself and kind of crimp, jam the thing into the back of your head and somehow, like, load the program, you know. But, I mean, I guess because you're always seeing it done by multiple right. people. There's a person in the chair, the operator, and then the person doing that um, as, far, as far as, like, physically making it happen. Um, I mean, one of the impressions I always had was that he was sort of manipulating the matrix by, you know, like, typing, like, kind of almost <laughs> like doing, like, an IM with, with Agent Smith, you know, like kind of programming himself into the matrix manually to have that meeting but then my problem with that was like well then he can't taste the steak if he's not plugged in you know um so that was kind of more my my issue with that because like you see him sitting at the terminal and then they kind of 
and, and that was sort of the thing too the reason he jumps so much when Neo comes up is because anyone who could see what was going on in those Matrix panels would see that that's what's going on right. it's him and Agent Smith having a conversation but luckily Neo he can't read the code yet so you know and that's why he's able to oh it's yeah blonde brunette redhead you know like that's what i'm looking at i'm looking at porn ha 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 but you know he's in the middle of the meeting then that was sort of the the impression i always got of that because gotcha. um, you got me thinking about it. it's like if if that's not the case he could have been it could have been a previous time like this is the reveal that this is this is the reason that they're being traced oh they okay. would have infiltrated that early but it's not communicated effectively right right yeah if yeah. that's the case like so. that was a flashback to, right. to him meeting okay right i mean it would still be kind of tricky to explain how he was able to get plugged in have the meeting get out wake up unplug himself you know all that stuff um yeah i don't know i also really like like him getting out and then terrorizing the inerts plugged in <laughs> yeah. people just like that is so sinister and so simple the way it's communicated mm -hmm. is like and he's just <laughs> yanking their existence out yeah like, the attachment the dis uh, the um unattachment he has because he's like yeah these are just whatever just bodies here i'm just pulling the plug whatever. and see that's that's the way he feels about like <laughs> the the insignificance of their struggle this is how easy this is yeah to unplug you mm -hmm. like just let me go back in this thing. Mm -hmm. And you, you understand. You empathize. Because yeah. it's like, now I have to eat snot water for the rest of my life. I can't have a steak. I can't, like... That's got to be a program they run, right? If they have porn programs, they, they right. must have a, like, <laughs> a here's all program. you can eat. Yeah. Yeah. I always love... Sorry, I'm jumping no, through things. <laughs> but I love the, the, the line from Morpheus. Do you think that's air you're, you're breathing, breathing right yeah. now? And I always forget. It's like, he's out of breath. I'd be out of breath, too. No, yeah. he doesn't have to breathe. Right. This is a computer. Yeah. Like, and, oh, it's great. It's so great. Mm -hmm. Just happy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Sonny, Scott, more, more thoughts, Scott. I don't know <laughs> if I have them. Yeah. Like, I don't have a whole lot to contribute this mm -hmm. time around. But, but just having you guys to watch it with. And not just your like commentary and jokes in the meantime, but just also the reactions and things. I just that was just so much better than trying to sit down on my own and like focus on a film that for some reason doesn't doesn't grab me until I think that's part of the problem was that the first time fell flat. So the subsequent times a whole lot of that first part is just like explanation, explanation, introduction. Here's how the matrix works. Mm -hmm. Having already seen that, when I'm like sitting there and trying to put focus in, it's it's boring because I already know the information. Mm -hmm. So by the time we finally get to the part that I needed to focus on, I was done. Like mm -hmm. I was already my attention had wandered. Yeah. So having you guys here and keeping all our fo group focus on the film together, right. just that was the package, the complete start to finish package I needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and that's one of the things too is like my first experience sort of just like hardwired this this movie to me. So it's just like every every viewing since then, you know, it's it's tapping into what my, you know, what my how good my first experience was. Where yeah, if yours was so kind of flat to begin mm -hmm. with, you don't have nostalgia to draw on on top mm -hmm. of that. And then and then also like for me, like every single line speaks to me, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was just like how well crafted everything was and how so many of them 
we're, we're almost taken as throwaway lines like until you've seen it a bunch of times or even in some cases seen the whole trilogy and see how some of what they're talking about is actually the end of the trilogy not the end of this film you know yeah. um and I won't say what some of those are because I don't want to give that away. Because no, Joel, I, did you say you haven't seen the third one either? I've seen. I've not three. seen the okay, third one. You haven't seen I've the third one. I saw the third I, one once and haven't revisited. I don't think it. I've finished the second actually. Okay. Either I think it came up on TV and I had it on, but mm-hmm. I had still didn't care about the first. Yeah. So it was just sort of in the background. And, mm-hmm. I don't know. See, for me, Reloaded is really Trinity, right? Like that. It's pretty Trinity oh, focused, yeah. Yeah. in my opinion. Because sorry, which one is that? Second or third? The second, the second okay, thank you. Because um, then the third one's called Revolutions. Revolutions, thank you. All right. Because yeah. we see Trinity take somebody out in the big, like her, the sequence, the cold open sequence is her, mm-hmm. and then she's like half of the sequences with Neo, but Neo just goes crazy in this one. Yeah. And in the second one, we see a lot of Trinity just beating the shit out of people, and it's it. It's it's interesting how the first two for me because I've seen those ones the most frequently kind of run together because I was trying to remember if the subway sequence was in this one or the next one and I was like Trinity isn't really featured pretty heavily in this one and that mm-hmm. was that was something I did bring up off podcast and bring it into the podcast that I'm a little f- frustrated with the kind of like instant love that seems to happen between Trinity and Neo. Yeah. But Tim had a really good kind of we're yeah. There's there's a that. sort yeah, of if, indication that she starts falling in love with him from like the moment he starts being in the ship with them, and we get a line to that effect. But like, I think we're Len supposed to extrapolate that into, oh, all that time lapse we saw of him training, she was continuing mm-hmm. to fall. But well, no. But what I was saying was about. at the very beginning of the film when Cipher and Trinity are talking when mm-hmm. they're running the trace. And he's like, you like watching him, don't you? You like him, don't you? Know? Yeah. So we get this impression that before they even meet, like they've been looking for Neo and they've been keeping their eye on him. And Trinity has been choosing to take extra shifts, keeping an eye on him, because that's like when she's falling in love with him. Before, like, before he even knows about any of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that by the time they meet, like she's already invested in him. Gotcha. Um, and I mean, even so, it, it just—it's a little kind of tacked on. Like it—it it, it does not need to be a romance. That's what story. I was saying about like since she's already starting to fall in love with him by the time mm-hmm. the film begins. Presumably, that process continued all throughout his right. training. But we don't really see. But we don't any, see any of that. Yeah, right. We jump from we're going to train you to it's time to go see the Oracle. Yeah, you know. But they, and the romance yeah. plays more into the sequel. It mm-hmm. definitely like that's a part of their mm. like camaraderie and you, you see the evolution of that mm-hmm. relationship and the fact that Neo like scoops bullets out of her body right like that yeah that's <laughs> the second one that I've seen yeah so it, it's somewhere internet maybe yeah so it, it, it it's not a big deal and Trinity is a badass and takes care of herself and like is not in any way a weak character at all like mm. and she's not defined by that relationship at all so it, it's it's not that big issue. Well, I almost feel like that's a strength of the film, too, because if I feel like from square one, you know, she's, like, all gaga over him, and it's getting in the way of the mission, I feel like that's a way of, like, that would have, like, weakened her. And, I mean, you get those subtle little things about her, like, when he's gonna do the jump, and she's like, come on, come on. Like, you know, she she's rooting for him, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't take away from her doing what she needs to do. 
you know and i think that was the thing is like yeah like like, like you use the word romance like i don't know if i would use like romance because it's not <laughs> it's not, it's not a romantic. journey that we go on it's more just like hey there's only a few of us on this ship and you're the best looking guy who is not already <laughs> paired up with someone so you know <laughs> i don't know i feel like tank was was pretty attractive that's true too, that is yeah. a great that character was great yeah like and a great character actor part because he, he has this enthusiasm about things and he feels all he's kind of almost like the chorus figure right like this mm-hmm. idea that all of our emotions flow through him because he, he's feeling like them killing the people and like because yeah. the, the other operator who's in the Matrix dies and he's the one that watches it in real time and like mm-hmm. and that, that was I remember yeah I remember realizing that at one point that Tank is kind of this like I almost feel like they made him to be an Us? ideal man oh. where he's like jacked, but he's like got a sense of humor. Like you said, he's super optimistic, super friendly, super emotional. Like he's the one feeling it when all these people are dying, you know, and, and he's also the one who is, you know, between him and his brother, they're the two who are born in the real world. Right. Like they have no connection to the machine world, no connection to the matrix. So I think part of what they did is to have that contrast between all of the former Matrix people, and then there's Tank and Dozer. You know, and, and Dozer, I feel like he, yeah, sometimes he seems a little thin where he's just the big brother character, right. you know, like he's the muscle, you know. Right. But, but yeah, Tank is definitely just like, oh, hey, like this is, this is what you turn out to be when you grow up in the real world, you right. know. You know, you're, you're strong and tough, but you're smart and you can work with technology. And yeah, and, and you have all these pop culture references because you've been paying <laughs> attention to the Matrix for so long. But, you know, you're also super sweet and super emotional and super supportive. And, you know. And you still don't get the girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, I, you know, maybe, maybe, he, maybe he doesn't want the girls. No, Who knows? Isn't he, is he in... <laughs> In he's the sequel, in, right? No, he's, he's no. I remember hearing something he too that mentioned, that, that right? actor, yeah, that that actor they actually had issues with him, and that's part of why they remove his character. I just I like, remember something about some other part of that family is there, and, yeah, and like the, his um, uncle or nephew or some, you know. There's more the, stuff going on back at Zion for that yeah. character. Like was it Z? Doesn't she's get their sister. Here, so, oh, okay. and then the the other woman who's there was uh, Dozer's wife. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And gotcha, then, gotcha. so that their new operator is actually like the would-be brother-in-law of them too, because gotcha. he's dating their sister, and that's what she says. Yeah, I lost yeah, two brothers and... to that ship. I don't want to lose you too. So, so yeah, um, Tank dies some point between one and two. Gotcha. And that, yeah, I think that was their way. Yeah, because there was. I remember mm-hmm. reading that there are issues with that actor, and that's why he wasn't going to come back. So that was their way of kind of writing him out. But, um. Was it? Oh, that was one of the things I wanted to when we, you know, I, I wasn't going to bring up the sequels, but when we started talking about them, one of the the vague things that I find really interesting, and I'll, I'll, to be fair, like I will acknowledge so many of the flaws in the second one, like, and I will sometimes argue that some of them were intentional, because the the how different the tone of the three films are, yeah. and this one being this sort of middle one that's very Matrix centered, whereas the third one is very real world centered. Like, that's another big sort of contrast I think they were purposely trying to make. Like, look at how shiny and fancy and fake this world is. And then this is the gritty, hard truth, real world. Um, And so I think some of the things that they did um, that were 
borderline ridiculous were on purpose. I think to kind of break, help break down that illusion. Well, kind of like you said, Scott, how in the beginning when we first see the Matrix, it's all the skyscrapers and everything's nice and neat and pretty and clean and ideal. And then when we go back to bring Neo to see the Oracle, like we're kind of in the ghettos and the slums, mm-hmm. you know, and we're seeing the dirty part of the Matrix. So I think this is like, oh, the second one is a way of kind of like hyper, um, like, like making us lose our taste for the Matrix. Like, look how like dumb this is in a way, you know. I and um, but one of the things that I really like about that, and like how you were saying when it's like very Trinity focused, and I think part of that too is that by the end of the first one, we're like, yes, Neo is the one. Like his arc hits this climax, and then the second one is like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like that's what so much of it is. Is like, yeah, I'm the one. I mean, I can fly around and I can punch agents and what do I do? Like, how do I save the human race? What do right, I do? Yeah. And like, and how much he's just like floating and we get to kind of focus a little bit more on, okay, well, Morpheus like, oh, well, Neo's the one. Okay, we got to make this happen. And Trinity, like, you know, you know, like her, her doing what she's doing and, and, and it, it very much, I think, almost seems aimless in a lot of ways. And I think that was, you know, it was intentional. It also left room to bring in Zion and, and tell the story of this bigger world that we mentioned in the first one, but don't really get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can sometimes be one of the criticisms of it is they tried to, they had to do so much in that second world. You know, we gave you this little piece. Here's this little ship with these, you know, five or six or seven people. It's like, oh, wait, here's Zion with all the rest of the people and all these other ships, this whole fleet and this whole military and this whole government that we didn't know about and all these machines way underground that purify our water and clean our air and no one knows how they got there and how long ago they were built. And, you know, it just kind of like blows up into all this stuff. Um, So I think that's a lot of times why the second one is just kind of like it seems very, very messy. And Um, the thing about that one is like these, there's these big briny, bright shiny set pieces that you move between right you have mm-hmm. the the chase sequence and the on the buses with the uh uh albino twins with the mm-hmm. dreadlocks and like you have these like sequences like that i remember liking it it's been a long time since i've even longer it's been about five years since i've seen even the first matrix i mm-hmm. haven't seen the second one in ages yeah i don't know, like the third one I, I can't get into it because Scott hasn't seen it. But just... <laughs> I ruined the podcast! <laughs> uh, just a, the anti-climax at the end is really frustrating to me. And maybe we can talk about it post-podcast. Yeah, but yeah like, maybe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, and that's that's kind of the, the great curse of the great dystopian work, is that anything where it works out, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is boring and like, oh, there's a happy ending. Right. You know? and, but then anything where it doesn't sort of invalidates the yeah. entire it's rest like, of why, the plot. Yeah, why did you tell this story? Right. <laughs> you know, like, I, that, not to lessen, like, that doesn't lessen the impact of 1984 for it to end that way. You know, like, it, it convinces you that there's hope and then slams the door in your fucking face. Yeah. You know, right. and that feeling is what we're trying to, at least what I'm trying to get out of these mm-hmm. is like there's a triumphant ending of, of the first one, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also your one person, yeah. And there's a huge world of yeah. these remember, things. Yeah, remember how big the power plant was, and you know, and you, you haven't even fly seen around. the machine city yet. <laughs> right. You have no you, idea what's out there. You're flying around in a simulation. Like, good luck yeah. to you. You know, yeah. like, yeah, you're the most powerful person in this simulation. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now that I do remember, there's a hint of him bringing his powers into the real world or some shit. Yeah. In the yep. second one somewhere. Mm-hmm. I guess I have seen the second one all the way through, but only in pieces. That's, Smith is that comes in, out. Is that in the second one? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That well, I remember. Smith comes and, out at the yeah. end. Yeah, okay. And that is the big thing with, like, with the, the second one, too, is that, yeah, you... Everything that got built up in the first one gets torn down in the second yeah. one. Like, yeah, you're not there as some human messiah. Like, we programmed you to be what you are so that you can help us, you know, reboot the system after we kill all these people. Like, good luck. Yep, way to go. Good job. You're a superhero, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of where to go from that. You know, and like, you know, I, I definitely, I you know, left that film feeling like Neo, like, like disappointed. But I think that's it. You're supposed to. Like, you're supposed to, you know, because that's where he is. It's like, this, yeah, we're, okay, we're going to save the world. Like, no, you're not. Like, this is part of the plan, you right. know. And it's like, oh, oh, shit. Like, what do we do now? It's like, I don't know. Wait for the third one. We'll see. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Wait for the third one. <laughs> that's a true, and it was such a long gap between two and three, it felt like for me. I think it was like, they were released a year apart, I think it was, it or that, six months. It wasn't that long. It was pretty soon, because, I mean, they, they, they made them both together. Oh, because okay. that was that was part of the thing is like I guess it was cheaper to just film everything at once as opposed to doing it stop start all up again. I see. Um, but like they also I think they released them pretty close because they're like yeah like yeah two thousand three for both of them. Oh, so maybe it was six months apart. Yeah, maybe it was like like May and or June and December or something like that. So same wow. Revolutions was November of two thousand and three, mm-hmm. and Reloaded was May. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so like they had put it all together, and I think that was the thing is like yeah, we don't we're we're not trying to be jerks. We don't want to make you wait and be like okay, you saw this one. Now it's another five so years for the next one. It was like wow. no, here you are. You know that explains a lot of what you all have just been saying though that they feel like two parts of a whole. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. <laughs> and that was actually one of the things I heard at one point in an interview was that the the original Matrix was actually a prelude to the story they actually wanted to tell. Almost like a like a Star Wars kind of thing where it's just like, okay, here's the stage I have to set. Or I guess maybe the opposite of Star Wars where he just skipped to part four instead of <laughs> telling one, two, and three, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, that it was kind of like this This needs to set up the world, but this is really what we want to do. This is the <laughs> this is the real kung fu versus robots we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and I think that's part of the thing too with like what's really cool is that the Matrix, I think the first one can stand on its own. But I think what, what helps part two and three is you have to think of them as part of the trilogy. Like, as standalones, like, they do have a lot more flaws and a lot more weakness and everything. But, like, that's why for a while when we would, people would actually ask me what my favorite movie was, I would say The Matrix Trilogy. Like, it's the whole thing as one as unit. Like, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't pick the parts apart, you know. Um, and, I mean, like I said, you kind of can. It's kind of like the first one can be its own thing because it does kind of wrap up in a way. But then, like, if you're going to talk about the other two, you have to do it, you know, in you know, in this sort of bigger umbrella of the whole thing. And um, Like, one of the things that uh, they had said, too, at one point was that the, the first Matrix is about birth, the second one's about life, the third one's about death. So that was sort of the, you know... The cycle. The whole, yeah, like him kind of... Be, you know being born into the real world to becoming and then the second one is kind of dealing with that and I think under that it makes a lot more sense too yeah that just like okay what do I do now it's like you know it's like becoming an adult you know you spend your whole childhood going 
well, you've got to do this, and you've got to go to school, and you've got to get a good grade so you can go to college, so you can go to college, so you can get a good job, and then you have a good job, and you're like, what the fuck do I do now? It's like, do that same thing for 30 years. What the fuck? You know, like, that's episode two. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you know, reloaded. You're just kind of coasting along at what you've become. It's that, it's the fight club thing. It's like, yeah. dad, got a job. Yeah. I don't know. Get married. <laughs> Did that? You make that phone call again. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do now? Like, that... Yeah. I was going to ask, because you, you talk about these films in tandem, mm-hmm. Fight Club and Matrix. So, did you see Matrix first? Uh, I I think, uh, I forget when they came out, but I think the first time I saw Fight Club, <laughs> just for listener, um, Scott just like half sighed and picked up his phone <laughs> to start looking at IMDb. This or is my only time. contribution yeah. to this episode. <laughs> He's our fact checker. Um I think the first time I saw Fight Club was on video, so it was at, it was. I know Matrix is in the theater. The first yeah, time. so okay. Fight Club came out in '99. Let's see what it. So says then I here. definitely would have seen Matrix first, and then you know October for the U.S. October 1999, yeah. and yeah, Matrix came out in '99 as well, right? Yeah. So yeah, if you saw. Yeah, I think um, I might have actually not seen Fight Club until. No, no, that's right. I definitely remember watching it while I was still in college. March 1999 for yeah. The Matrix. So, okay. yeah, yeah, Matrix first. Because wow. um, you talked about the, the, the economy of those two mm-hmm. being like, you are the one. You are special. Yeah. You are not special. Right. You're nobody. <laughs> you are not yeah. this perfect little flower, this unique little snowflake. Yeah. You're a piece of meat. This is your burning hand. This yeah. is like... Right. And oh, look at, you know, on the one hand, look at these cool black leather outfits. You're not your fucking khakis. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like there's, you know, there's the, look how cool this looks. This image is so important. You know, the style, you know, it's like, no, we're all just, you know, we're fertilizer, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, in a weird, it is a healthy balance to have, kind of. You know, it's 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 also this sense of, you know, there's there's a spirituality to the matrix of this idea of there's something bigger out there, you know, Um you know whether that bigger thing is the machines controlling everything right. or what or you know there's that that amazing moment without going into detail the for scott i don't know if you're talking about in the third Should one i just leave where there's the, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but there's really? there's this there's this hint you know because you talked about the matrix in the real world for so long and we've gotten kind of stuck in this mire of okay it's a battle between two worlds and we get this little hint of something outside of those two little worlds before everything comes crashing down but like it's this idea that like oh yeah like you know and for for a while i know there were a lot of fan theories and one of one of them that i had was that the the whole quote-unquote real world was also a matrix and that neo and like you said at the end of part two where it shows that he has powers in the quote-unquote real world it was like oh maybe it's because that's also a matrix and they've got to break out of that matrix too and that happens in the third one but then they didn't do that when i was kind of disappointed but it still worked (laughs) out okay um but uh but yeah, so anyway, and, and you know, and there's a lot of where they kind of, they kind of parallel like religions with certain parts of like programming and programs and this and this and that. Like they talk about karma in the, the second and third one. I think it's the third one a lot. Um, so you get these like attachments or, or these these parallels to all this different, you know, religious and spiritual stuff. But then, in, you know, with, with Fight Club, it's just all about like what you can see and what you can see is all there is. And um, like I said, I think it's a, it's a nice contrast to have. And, you know, to find something in the middle where it's just like, you know, you don't want to get too stuck in the trenches that you're just like, yeah, like all I am is a piece of meat. It doesn't matter. 
but you also don't want to get stuck too much on the other end where it's just like, oh, I'm just going to wait around for the quote-unquote real world after I die. You know, it's like you've got to find some way to, to balance the two and, and live in this world. And, um, and that's actually one of the things, too. I think I read an article kind of recently where it was like, yeah, scientists can't tell if we're not in a matrix. Like, it could be possible. But we can still survive because, you know, with the whole, like, the idea of, you know, survival of the fittest and, and fitness... It, if we are in a matrix, our fitness depends on our ability to survive in this matrix. So as long as we can do that, we can still survive in it, and, right. and that's fine. And you know, as far as we know, there's no way to break out of it, even if there was something beyond there. So why bother? Kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. That's fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to this this movie and its concepts come up in conversation a lot, but I was talking to my friend Alice about it like years ago talking about how you would be able to tell a, a matrix was in place mm -hmm. you'd have to find a place on the edges like at some point there would be an end right like in the open world of the matrix mm -hmm. right you'd yeah. find the edge like in Truman Show yeah. you'd find the wall sure but, <clears> but the problem with it being a computer is that it can be three dimensional right so right. the earth is you know it's circle you could walk around but then in space, how yeah. far do you have to get to Earth that, before you reach that That would be that the edge. difficulty, is yeah. finding a way to find the very, very <laughs> edge, and that would be limited by the physics of the Matrix designed in such a way either mm -hmm. to prevent you from ever getting there, or like, some kind of shifty uh, dark matter-y, black hole -y way of like, you can't go this far because there's something impassable, mm -hmm. yeah. and then you find it like so. It, it was an interesting and depressing yeah. notion to be like, we could never know, because <laughs> a system that complex would have its own physics, mm -hmm. and those that would be our physics. So yeah. we we would have to operate within those laws, <laughs> and yeah. we'd be trapped by those. Like it, it, it it's it's a fun <clears throat> experiment. <laughs> yeah. I also read a theory, too, that um, the reason why we dream, well, and not that they were saying it was evidence that we are in a matrix, but the reason why we dream is so that we can wake up and go, oh, that was the dream, this is the real world. So uh -huh. it's, it's something that's implanted in us to do so that we can compare to something that's less real and accept that this is real, gotcha. which was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never sleeping again. Yeah. Then maybe I'll wake up. <laughs> Which could lead to, I mean, I feel like, aren't there, like, sleep studies and stuff like that where, like, you know, if people don't, I know if, like, if people don't sleep, it obviously has, like, ill effects on you, but, like, not dreaming, like, I wonder if that has effects like that where if you start to question the nature of reality, if you don't have dreams to compare your reality to, you know? Gotcha. Hmm. I, got, yeah, I might be sleeping right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, like, dreams come out of, REM sleep, right? You have to be in a certain so, uh, layer yeah. of depth. Yeah, right? they do. I have a lot of REM sleep when I sleep. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, Nightmares, Scott. I just, I, Nightmares galore. I don't know. I just getting into the initial sleep is tougher. I have a, one of those smart watches that will track your sleep patterns if you uh -huh. wear it overnight, which I've done a few times just for fun. And I will wake up after those nights where I will have dream after dream after dream and go through like six of them in a row and then yeah. wake up and fall asleep and do a different one or whatever. And the little chart, you know, if REM sleep is the, the, the spike, you know, the deepest sleep you're in, it's, you know, spike, 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 you know, like six times throughout oh God, the night every yeah. time it happens. I, and 
But yeah, that's, that's when you dream. <laughs> Kruger would like you. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Hello, Scott. <laughs> this is kill number one of the night. Uh, when you poop in your dreams, you poop for real. <laughs> yeah, right. He, when you poop in the matrix, you poop for real. <laughs> no, help. You'd have to, right? Well, that's something that's not addressed. I mean, I assume they have a tube hooked up to your junk. Yeah, but you don't when you're re-entering it. Oh, right. So yeah, but when they're re-entering poop? it, they I mean, don't hopefully. go to the bathroom. They go kill machines. Right. Well, because well, plus at that point, they realize that that's not real and they're not eating in the... Ma- I mean, yeah, I would hope that they're... You'd have to Their go body before. isn't so relaxed that yeah, 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 exactly. I think my body back there has to shit. Uh, we gotta go back. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, Morpheus, come! I can't do yeah. the mission. Tank, tank, tank! I need you to get the bedpan. Get the bucket. Yeah. I'm about to piss my pants. A Texas catheter for oh. everyone. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, uh, well, we found a new layer. We we found the way to make shit jokes in the Matrix. Uh, Same way you chew it out of the matrix. <laughs> uh, no. This yeah. favorite cycle has been awesome. Yeah, it has. I know I haven't said a lot in this podcast, but I really, I really loved the film. This was great. That's good. Yeah, Thank I'm you glad. so much yeah. for bringing oh, this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I was hoping. Yeah, yeah I think you know, we were all kind of talking about this, like because these are our favorites, and like, yeah, I yeah. hope that can, you know, this elevate, one was the one I was know. worried about, and mm-hmm. I was really looking for. For some some to, breathe, to have new life breathed into it. And it was so. Yeah. Thank you both. Yeah. This is you. why we do this podcast because yeah. it's better with with friends. Yeah. <laughs> so. so since we've had this episode, Tim cannot speak about the Matrix ever again <laughs> on the podcast. Not until if and when we do the sequels. Yes. Yeah. And then it'll okay. just be a seven hour long. So you get a bunch of Fight Club references then. I don't make as many of them. There we go. <laughs> But that means that you're on a downward spiral. So what you're saying is I need to pick Fight Club next, so we have to stonewall you from that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Actually, this made me think of something really kind of upsetting. Not really upsetting, but it just like, you know, this kind of little bit of trauma that got tucked away. Um, for a while when I was trying to make this whole like film scoring thing happen, um, I had found a group of people on, I think through Facebook, who were like, yeah, we want to make some short films and like, you know, we're going to get together every now and then. And I went to a few meetings with them, you know, and be like, oh, you know, I'm Tim, I'm a composer. And they're like, you know, everyone just kind of stand up and say who you are, what you, what your specialty is and what your favorite films are. And I, I remember like standing up and introducing myself and it's like, oh, you know, my favorite films are The Matrix and Fight Club. And like, there were like snickers among most of the people. And it was just like, I remember being like, okay, like don't read into it. Just continue with your spiel. But part of me would be like, oh, I'm sorry. I guess I'm not enough of like a, a film person to be like, oh, my favorite movie is this or my favorite movie is this thing I, you've never heard people of. People just like, like to forget that yeah. every film is a huge mon- amount of work that goes into it. Right, yeah. And that there's, you know, these different people are going to get different amounts amount. And yes, and on top of that, these are hugely impactful films yeah. that reflected upon the culture of the time. I mean, there's a reason these are talked about in film schools. I mean, and it's not just the technical stuff. You know, I, it's not just the cinematography. It's the writing. It's the how to tie your film into the popular culture of the moment right. type of thing. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I made a lot of money with something that was actually experimental. Right, and yeah. A cool That story. I was really and, passionate about and put all this hard work into and, you know. Yeah. And it's then, that whole like a film can't be art unless it's also bad, right? <laughs> or, like you know, or unpopular, or, um, uh, misunderstood. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, no. Yeah, 
you have found your home in movie mom yeah. friends. Yeah. yeah well now you guys just need to make Welcome. films so i can score them and get famous because that didn't happen with this group yeah i'm not i, I actually did a few did films anything with happen them. with that group oh, yeah i did no. do a few films with them and there were some some that i liked more than others like i got to work with a few different directors on a few different films um it was really interesting seeing the the different ways that directors approached music and my favorite one that I worked on wasn't necessarily because the music I wrote was was great and my favorite, but it was how I worked with the director where we actually did a Skype session and did like a spotting session where the director and the, and this was something I had read about. So I was like, I want to do this. I want to practice doing the things I need to do if I'm going to do this professionally, where you watch the film together and talk about what music you think should go where, you know? And then I got to do that and I got to actually score a picture and I was just like, you know, sent it back and forth. He had a few suggestions a few times and I tweaked a few things and, and I was just like, yeah, like this was, this was really proud. This was how I wanted this to work out. And with a lot with the others, it's like, oh, can you do a song that's kind of like this? And I would give them a sample of like, well, how about this? What do you, you know, here's a few sections. What do you like better? And then they would just throw the whole thing in the film. And it's just like, well, that, that, that wasn't was a finished product. Like yeah. that was for you to kind of, you know, let me know what direction to go in. And then I was going to fine tune it to the picture, you know, and like for one of them, I sent him, I think a, a track that was like 30 seconds long just to get an idea of it. And he used that in the film, but like the scene was like two minutes long. So after 30 seconds, the music just stops and there's like this awkward silence. And it's just like, I would have given you a two minute version of that track. Like what? Oh God. Jeez. <laughs> And they're the type of things where it's like, I almost don't want to put my name on it. Because then it's just like, if people listen to it, like, why did the music just cut out all of a sudden? Oh, right. what's, this, what's this hack doing? And, you know, right. and it's just like, so so that was like an interesting lesson too, just to be like, you know, uh, you know, it's, you don't necessarily want to take opportunity, every opportunity that comes your way. Because it's like, you got to make sure it's something you want to put your name on. And you're going to have at least enough control to have yourself represented you know and that's the thing is like i will work with a director and do edits and if it's not what he he or she is looking for like do something different try to find what it is they're looking for but i also want to be able to sign off on the last version and be like yes this yeah, is what be proud i to put did. your name on it yeah, yeah you know next time on the tim sells himself podcast right. <laughs> tim gerard services can be yeah. the gerard.com <laughs> you might Next time I have so little to say, I should take advantage of some of your other services. Yeah. So at least I'm integrated into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray, prostitution. Day. Yeah. I just, that was a reach, but I wanted to stuff no, it in there. there. Ah, there you go. So. <laughs> uh, yuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, yuck. Uh, All right. <laughs> It is, it is time for <laughs> another situational <laughs> movie recommendations. Recommendations. So, so, Joel, have you remembered the one that you forgot from earlier this morning? No. And we definitely didn't record another episode that you haven't heard yet. It hasn't been released. <laughs> cough, cough, white Christmas. Um, <laughs> next week. Next week on. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, what is your favorite dystopia movie? Not including Brave, Brave, Blade Runner or The Matrix. Okay, thank you. Fine. Like those Make me work for it. Okay. Okay, well, let's... let's let's. He's going to say Fight Club. No, 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 no. Well, because it's not really it's a dystopian. No, I thought he was going to yeah. make the argument. But, no. Okay. Well, no, that's what I was going to say. I like, didn't what, realize what mine was until this moment. Oh. What, um, Fight Club? No. <laughs> what do we consider dystopian? Because, I mean, like, you know, I, I have an idea of what it means. I've never looked up the definition, but I, I've seen films that have been referred to as dystopia. But I don't know sort of how how wide 
that description goes as far as like, well, this is dystopian, but that's not dystopian. It, it's yeah. it's kind of like a horror world wherein... I already have two answers. <laughs> it, it's usually associated with technology becoming a part of oppression. So much that, like, so we're living in one now. Right. Um, but, like, the idea that a mechanized oppression. I always think of 1984 as kind of like the the monolith of what uh, so, oh, so it doesn't have to be technology necessarily. It could right. be like the government or some sort of right. yeah, like there are all kinds yeah. of dystopia. Technology is yeah. only one of them. Okay, right, and I mean it's not necessarily <laughs> post-apocalyptic, but it's, okay, it, it could be. There considered... could have been a gradual change to this, right. as opposed to okay, okay. I think I have mine, which yeah, you guys are gonna. I've got, well, I got three again, but <laughs> <laughs> we should just change this to Scott's got three. Yeah, that's or that's two. the name. <laughs> of the, that's yeah. the name of the segment is Scott's got three. Yeah. In terms of an actual dystopia, in time. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Good I one. just yeah. loved everything about yeah, that movie. Yeah. It was so yeah. great. It was it's tightly put together. Wonderful. Done. Great yeah. leads. Yeah. Plus, the concept was just super cool and original, yeah. <clears throat> and it it sort of films that explore their concepts a little bit but not super deeply sort of create holes for themselves mm-hmm. um sort of like the matrix one of how did he get in the matrix to talk to smith without anyone mm-hmm. helping him problem right yeah. but like in time probably does have holes if and, and we might have seen them if they'd bothered to go deeper but they didn't they just gave us the basics and went go yeah <laughs> um, which was nice and then my argument for dystopia is um goodbye lenin which takes place in east germany Oh, okay. And and the fall of the wall and just the argument of the the sort of communist dystopia, okay. which I mean, in terms of historical fact, whether that was a dystopia or not is is not the point I'm putting trying to put forth I think here. It would have but been twenty years as, previous, right? As portrayed in the film, East Germany turns out to be pretty dystopic. Um, mm. Certainly more so in films like The Lives of Others than in Goodbye Lenin specifically. But uh, but yeah. So yeah, there there you go. <laughs> You, you got one, Tim. You I already <laughs> forgot my third, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the first one that popped into my head, and I mean, I, I didn't think very very hard on this, but, <laughs> but you're also going to laugh because of the, you know, if I can't choose the Matrix, then Equilibrium. <laughs> well, no, that's, that, that was my thought as well. That it's, that's yeah. not the one I picked finally, but mm-hmm. it's another good one. Like, right. Well, and the part, that's part of why I asked about the whole dystopia, because I feel like when we usually think, yeah, it's the post-apocalyptic, like, the Earth is a mess, everyone's, like, scavenging for scraps, and it's just, like, I feel like this is, it's more like the 1984 type of dystopia, where it's, like, yeah, no, we're making a whole shift in society to be, like, everyone takes these drugs, nobody feels emotions, and everything's just kind of even keel, and... That took a lot from Brave New World, really. Oh, okay. The whole soma yeah. and controlled emotions but yeah. in, in different went in a different direction with it right? mm-hmm. which was very clever yeah also the phrase scavenging for scraps reminded me of mad max how yeah. could i have forgotten mm-hmm. fury road <laughs> that's my pick is fury oh, road. there you go all right uh, yeah Th- that's it you're not gonna talk about it at all i mean it, we're gonna watch it <laughs> and i'm gonna make you watch the chrome sure but assume assume edition. no one's assume someone no, I mean, listening hasn't seen it it's just tell us well you're wrong <laughs> listener for not having seen it i haven't seen amazing. it Okay, I guess I have to change my next pick, I guess. No. (laughs) I mean, it's it's just... It does so much to contradict the tropes of even the genre it created with Mad Max. Fury Road is such a great inversion of the mulleted loner who's male 
who who grunts his Shows way up through. and saves places. Right. Yeah. No, it, it those, just, those other ones owe a lot to the old the Western tradition of the high plains drifter. When those mm-hmm. uh, owe them to the the Ronin, <laughs> yeah, 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 the yeah. idea of the samurai. Mm-hmm. But, but Furiro did not. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it does such a good job of continuing the 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 mythology and the the mythos of that world. This this Australia that's just been blown to shit. And it's it's post nuclear waste fallout, and gasoline is the lifeblood of these civilizations that have. And it's Max is there, and he's a drifter, but it's not about him. Nope, he's it's about not, Furiosa. It's about Furiosa, and, and Furiosa is a badass character. Yeah, and and Max is the character that shows up to to sort of. He's the bolt-on. He's the attachment. Yeah. He's the thing that modifies the struggle. Yeah, and, and he will continue to wander and impact other people's stories. But those are other people's stories yeah. that he slides in and out of as he wanders. And it, do, it does the bait and switch really well with the, this is a hopeful future. We can get to the, the land of the many mothers, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a fucking swamp. Mm. And they got to go back and we have to make the best of the world that we are stuck with. And they go with fire and fury and fuck it up. And it's great. <laughs> it's just, it, that's, that's the one. It, it, it's so great a sequel. And... I mean, you can start with that one, too. Like, you don't need yeah. to have seen Mad Max yeah, or Road Warrior or Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. So they, wait, They're what? fun. So, okay. Run me down the films in order, because I always get them confused. So first, Mad, Mad Max. Max. Okay. Naturally. Second Road Warrior. The Road Warrior. Okay. Um, and I, and that that one was titled differently in other countries. Right. Like Road Warrior was a subtitle or something. Yeah, but Road Warrior is what you call it here. A lot of people—that's easily the most famous of the lot. Okay, actually, people didn't. A lot of Americans didn't see the first one. Yeah, Um, it had a limited release. It was a smaller budget. It was all these things, and there's really good. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) But then there's a little bit less connective tissue between one and two. Things shift a little bit. Yeah, the vision changes a little. But Mm -hmm. and then the third was Beyond Thunderdome. Beyond Thunderdome, which is. Two men enter, one man leaves. Oh, so good. It's so, so fun in camp. So the one you're talking and about Fury is, Road is the, is new the one? fourth one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that the one with uh, Tom Hardy? Yes. yes. Okay. And um, Charlie's Theron. Okay. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. With, with Bane. Bane. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah. He <laughs> speaks less than Bane. And they cover his face. Yeah. No, that, that one's great. Equilibrium is great, too. Yeah. That's a movie I've, I've saw once, I went into and I put it away so that I would be surprised by it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I went into it expecting less. Expecting a sort of cheesy, kind of dumb, action-y movie yeah. that might not hold up. And, yeah. and I got a really cool film and a really interesting world. I, yeah. I was going in as a real satisfying the poor man's Matrix. That's what right, I was that's thinking. what I thought. And, and you was, know what? Oh, it, let's harp on this whole thing. It's great. Yeah. Like, and the Matrix gives weight to, like, Underworld and all of these, like, mm-hmm. hackers are superheroes and then everybody's wearing leather and, like, <laughs> the, this, this whole, like, latex fetish world of like <laughs> you're dirty and you're over a keyboard and like that that was like the style of film for a lot and you get a lot of matrix clones post this mm-hmm. i don't know if the film movement started with with this but this is probably the one that has the biggest cultural impact of any of those films and because equilibrium is drenched in the same set dressing i was like this is just going to be the matrix but worse but it's not it's great it's it's yeah it's almost closer mm-hmm. to 1984 than like yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. It's really and Brave New World it, it definitely has that as well. 
too good, too furious. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that like yeah, like some of <laughs> my as the resident Fast and Furious uh, fan. <laughs> say that five times fast. Fast and Furious uh, fan. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll appreciate fast five, you'll five appreciate times too because you're also an, an office fan. We were watching the one the other day where Jim and Dwight are like racing some other salesman, and he's like, "Yo, do you have any NOS?" He's like. Do I have any NOS? You mean like in Fast and the Furious? Yes. He's like, yeah. He's like, yes, I do. And he's like, get ready. Turns the wipers on. <laughs> but yeah, my favorite scenes in Equilibrium aren't even any of the like action kung fu right. gun kata scenes, you know? When they put it's, the record on. Yeah. And the, the record and, and then the part when he peels away that covering on his window. Like, oh my God. Like, I just like... I think I like wept at both of those scenes. Like, just like I, I can look out the window every day, but I feel like I'm seeing it for the first time, like through his eyes. I'm just like, shit, what is this movie doing to me? <laughs> and I think that's the worst part too. Like, it's it's not that sort of this was a destroyed world. I mean, I you you do get the sense there were like you know um, like casualties and you know things that had happened to make it shift this way. But the fact that it's just like we're we're meant to accept this world because everything is so clean and nice and organized and you know and it's almost worse in a sense you know like you there's rem- you reminded me of my third one but please continue okay <laughs> but just like you know by by keeping it so that, well things are nice why do we have the need to improve upon things and have these emotions and do this as opposed to yeah when you have like a shitty world it's like well okay we need to try to fix this or build this or do something to make it better and it was just like no no it's already as good as it can be. Like, right. Don't don't try. But if you do, we'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> don't try. Don't yeah. create. Don't struggle. Yeah. The third one I was thinking of was The Giver, actually. And I saw the film I before I read the book. Is the film any good? Yeah. I wish it was longer. Okay. Oh, man. It was really good. I So so Hunger Games came out, right? And right. sparked the whole teen dystopia you know, thing. And did its thing. And then Divergent followed. And then... Divergent slash all the other crap that piled Maze on Runner, Maze Runner, Fifth yeah. Wave, etc. All these other things, which I'm sure are fine stories in their own right, just all kind of sort of rushed to market with half-assed films and just collapsed. I mean, actually, that's that's not fair. The films, a lot of them are better than half-assed, but you know, it just they really they really flooded the market. Right. The Giver came out in the middle of that flood, and the movie, the books, the movie. For... I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, the movie did, and. Seems I, like hundreds of years. Like I'm sure a lot of other people did, just presumed it was more of the same. But it really wasn't, partly because the book wasn't, because the book is so old. But also because that film, despite being in the middle of this rush to market, really took great care. And um, the whole premise there is that similarly there's not really any, um, so not, not a lot of emotion going on. And so the film's in black and white. But as our, our main character, who they has to take really? the control of... Um, take over the mantle of memory mm-hmm. of emotion and history and take it from the, the giver Elder, yeah. to, you know more and more starts to spin up in color which was just a stroke of genius yeah, and it cool. sounds super cheesy but it works so well no it's something that it's really prevalent in the book and they I mean. talk really well about emotion and memory and history and the importance of that to society and I I remember the movie ended and I'm like what no why well, wasn't that should have been twice as long you should have they should have really I wish the middle had just been more yeah. I would have happily just sat in that world and learned for so long I mean I'm, I'm interested now because I, I didn't think yeah. it was going to be worthwhile I, as a film yeah I, it's you such know, a good book they gave it its due and I like I say it should have been longer I see. there should have been more so maybe you would still be disappointed compared to the book well, no, I watched I, the film before I read the book 
but I, compared to all the other teen dystopians that came out, right. that one had a lot of love put into it. That's happy. I'm happy to hear that it starts in black and white. That's, yeah. that's a huge thematic element. Is that the idea that he has to be, he has to be, he has to have red explained to him. Yeah. Because somebody tosses an apple and he starts to see this thing about something he saw all the time and what mm-hmm. what's different that? now. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a huge element of the book. And mm. So. Huh. Yeah, I want to see that now. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's quick. We could watch it any time, but Sweet. I'd be glad to stick it in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Stick it in the podcast. You have so much to <laughs> cram in there. Uh-huh. Oh, well. But that's okay. You'll get to hear it all, listeners. <laughs> Ten more years. Ninety-nine <laughs> more years. A hundred years of movie mumble. Hundred years, 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 Moody. Hundred years, Moody mumble. Movie mumble forever. Hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That was a good situational recommendation, Joel. Yeah, well, well asked. I'm going to have to drum up another one. <laughs> That's okay. This one you have time for. That's true. Yeah, so. Well, I feel like it's probably good if you kind of use the movie we're already talking about. Maybe as a springboard. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, that way it's relevant, but it's also a way of, yeah, like, you know. I mean, it was fine at first when it's like, what's your favorite one when we're sick? or what, you know. But now it's like, yeah, like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. We already did sick. We did... <laughs> We did hooking up. We did you know, like, <laughs> getting you swerve on. Yeah. As Tim, Tim brought us that phrase. I'm so glad you remembered. Yeah. Well, how, how could I forget? forget? <laughs> New for movie mumble t-shirts. Swerve on. Movies to get your swerve on too. <laughs> Time to swerve. <laughs> uh, gonna be making those jokes when we watch Need for Speed. Uh-huh. <laughs> swerve. Yeah. That was a good one, Joel. Thank you, thank you. And thank you, Tim, for bringing us The Matrix. Yes, thank you you're for, welcome. Thank thank you for giving it a rebirth in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad it worked. It rose from the dead. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but uh, no, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you both for a wonderful cycle full of yeah. favorites, which was just, just phenomenal. Yeah. Everything about it was excellent, warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, this is why we're here to share these movies with each other and to create a, an experience greater than the one of watching the film on its own yeah. um, and you've all done that for me you've done that very well with the cycle in general and today especially so thank you both thank you uh, thank you thank you listeners for joining us um, so next up on your list is going to be White Christmas, Christmas. Yep. and then the rest of our holiday picks I do have my pick for the... Or should I announce that after the recap? No, because the recaps are optional. That's true. So, that's, yeah. no, no. So, so I'll load the holiday films, and then recap will be coming for the rest of this month of December. Yeah. January will begin the next calendar year, and our next cycle, our uh, sixth cycle. Do we films. also want to list the rest of the Christmas, the holiday movies? Um, Just to give them an idea I'm of what's sure. coming. Yeah, yeah, why not? So, so White Christmas for Joel. And uh, then... A Christmas Story. For Scott and and Mickey's Christmas Carol for Tim. Oh, I'm excited sweet. about that actually. Cool, gonna be fun. Tim's just got the picks for me really. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So the next calendar year then will begin the sixth cycle, episode number sixteen. Sixteen. Joel will bring us Bronson. It's time, boys. So wait, is that the name of the film? Mm-hmm. That's the name of the film, the Bronson, and S- it's starring Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Oh, okay. I thought it was with. Which means the actor then, Bronson. No. No. no, okay. Which means then I will need to pick Fury Road, and then you need to pick Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> okay. It's, it's our or Tom Legend Hardy. or something. Tom Hardy cycle. Um, no, but yeah, Bronson. It's it's amazing. It's arty. It's brutal. It's stylized violence, and I am very excited to watch it with you guys. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's it's the 
I saw Inception, and then the next movie I saw Tom Hardy in was Bronson. Okay. So this is how I was convinced, yes, this man can play Bane. This mm-hmm. man can play anything. I want to watch everything he's a part of for the rest of my life. Yeah. Maybe then for my pick, I'll do Star Trek Inception, was it? Where he played the clone of Picard? Insurrection. Insurrection, that's the one. Star Trek Inception. I mean, you're yeah, <laughs> not wrong. I'd watch that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's gonna be. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we both are. I, I and, uh, watched it recently, so I could yeah. have the next one take okay. massive notes. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too because when you first said Bronson, I thought it was was it, is it Charles Bronson? Is Charles Bronson actor? is the Death okay. Wish actor? Okay, yeah. so I thought it was gonna be one of his films. I was like, all right, if Joel's bringing it, you know, I'm not excited. But but now that I know it's a Tom Hardy film, I'm more Tom. excited to watch it. So it's that's a, good. the the criminal in the movie. His name has, in the real life too has taken oh, yeah. on the name Charles Bronson oh okay as an homage to oh okay that. interesting so it's part of the a little part of the, the okay. origin of the movie so, or yeah. character yeah. So. yeah that's that's very exciting yes indeed um, we certainly hope you will all be joining us for that listeners assuming the holiday films don't drive you Burn insane you out. <laughs> um, too much holiday cheer Oh, so Cheers. many jingle barrels. <laughs> um, Get drunk while you're listening to it. Yeah, please. Go ahead. We will. I mean, don't drive anywhere. <laughs> but, you know. we, we should come up with a movie mumble drinking game. Like, obviously, every time Tim mentions the, the Matrix, Matrix, take a shot. You know. Or Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. We Which should. there wasn't any of this. I just did it. So That's true, yeah. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, we hope you all have enjoyed this episode and this cycle of favorites we know we have. We hope you'll be joining us for further episodes. And uh, until then, good night. Bye. Bye. Hey, listeners. We appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes if you'd like to check us out there. We'd be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review, or anything else. You can reach us all through our official Nerds That Geek emails, which you can find on the bio page at nerdsthatgeek.com. Or, if you can find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at scott underscore w underscore murray. And then on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at joelt18. And on Instagram, I'm the Tim Gerard, and on Twitter, I'm at Tim Gerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more. Yeah.